and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you who heartily repent of your sins, believe on Jesus Christ, and sincerely and earnestly purpose, by the assistance of God the Holy Ghost, henceforth to amend your sinful lives. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The entrance on your white sheet. All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee, O God. They shall sing to thy name, O thou most high Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee, O God. They shall sing to thy name. O Thou Most Highest. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy Thou 
that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Almighty and everlasting God, who dost govern all things in heaven and earth, mercifully hear the supplications of thy people, and grant us thy peace all the days of our life. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. second Sunday after the festival of the Epiphany of our Lord is from the twelfth chapter of Romans, beginning with the sixth verse. And having gifts, differing according to the grace that was given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to our proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us give ourselves to our ministry, or he that teacheth to his teaching, or he that exhorteth in his exhorting. He that giveth, let him do it with liberality. He that ruleth with diligence. He that hath, that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. In love of the brethren, be tenderly affectionated, one to another, in honor preferring one another, in diligence not slothful, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, communicating to the necessities of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them that persecute you, bless and curse not, Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Set not your minds on high things, but condescend to things that are lowly. Here endeth the epistle. The gradual on your white sheet. He sent his word unto them, and delivered them from their destructions. 
Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. We stand. chapter of St. John, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was bidden, and his disciples to the marriage. And when the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. <coughs> His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone set there after the Jews' manner of purifying, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the ruler of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants that had drawn the water knew. The ruler of the feast calleth the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man setteth on first the good wine, and when the men have drunk freely, then that which is worse, thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Here endeth the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. The Nicene Creed, page 17. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven 
and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the wicked and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. The hymn of the day is number 11 in your green book. Hymn number 11. Thine own good time, O thou, true God and faithful friend of men. Amen. 
who having power over all things, livest and reignest, world without end. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Not long ago, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens were opened, and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit to begin his three-year ministry. Jesus, since then, has been calling his apostles so that they might be eyewitness of his miracles, be taught the truth about God's word, so that they might teach it. But at this point, he has around, well, about six disciples following him. And now, before things even get going, Jesus takes some time off to go to a wedding. I mean, we don't even get through the second chapter of John's Gospel, and Jesus is interrupting his ministry. Hmm. Should this account call into question Jesus' sincerity as our Savior? Is Jesus some kind of slacker who can't stay on task and then uh, gets off, off point? On the contrary, no. We learn from this account, from John 2, we learn that the man Jesus is true God, and he took on human flesh because of this because of his great sympathy and compassion for people. Today we learn that our Lord Jesus Christ does truly love his people. So let's put this story to the test. Take a look at the context. Let's see what we find. First of all, we were made in the image of God. We were placed in a perfect creation designed for us. Adam was to enjoy paradise as he took care of the Garden of Eden. The man and the woman were married by God in the Garden before the fall into sin in perfect harmony that they could live with each other in paradise. She was his perfect helpmate. The Father walked with them and talked with them. And God and man enjoyed close fellowship. But then, with the fall into sin, that perfect union and fellowship was fractured. They lost original righteousness, which is the image of God. They lost that innate understanding of spiritual things. They became sinners. It is painfully embarrassing to watch them sow fig leaves for clothing. Then they run and hide from the Father. Their lies and excuses show their newfound sinfulness. The consequences for their actions involve pain and trouble in the work for Adam and, well, pain and childbearing for Eve. And we watch in horror as they are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Second, our Lord Jesus does have great sympathy for mankind. Sympathy. Look it up. It's the feeling of pity or sorrow for the distress of another. The feeling of pity and sorrow for the distress of another. We learn from the writings of the Holy Scripture that the Son of God saw, saw our distress and he was determined to save us. Though it was wholly our fault and we deserved every penalty, his sympathy for us moved him 
to leave his heavenly throne and to put upon himself our human nature. Now there is no merit which any of us can claim in our salvation. In fact, Romans 5 verse 8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it was his sympathy, his sympathy that moved him to lovingly act. He saw our sinfulness and the resulting punishment of death, our bondage to the devil, and his purpose was to restore us to a righteousness which we receive by faith in Jesus Christ. He sought to rescue us from that terrible end of our sinfulness, that is temporal and eternal death. He desired to rebuild that image which we had lost. He restored our relationship with the Father. He defeated the devil. And he broke us free from the bondage of this devil's terrible lies and slanders. And you know what? That is the first disinformation campaign. Yes. Speak of those lies, the lies the devil did. We must now address that, which was the devil's lies and disinformation concerning our loving Lord. And, well, we'll see, that's the problem. The problem is this, the devil would teach us that God would desire to reduce our happiness, as if it were here and he wanted, God wanted to bring it down. In the garden, the devil told Adam and Eve that God was holding back good things from them. He said, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It was a lie. Their eyes were not open to anything good. They did not become like God. They became like the devil. And everything which they received from that sin was to cause them pain and harm. No, the devil was wrong. But the devil continues to tell you the same thing. He gets you to think that whatever you have is not enough. He says, look over there, look over there. The grass is always greener in your neighbor's yard, isn't it? You must covet that which belongs to your neighbor. In fact, your happiness is right over there. What God has given to your neighbor, that's what you need. He gets you to think that stolen goods taste sweeter. More than that, he gets you to think that forbidden fruit is better. If God says, don't, well, that would be the thing that you want to do. And if God says, do it, then by all means, don't. You need to have your eyes opened to doing what is forbidden. Once again, God is holding back the good stuff from you. Your neighbor's spouse, that's where you will find happiness. Marriage, way too restrictive. It limits your encounters. It needs to be corrected. Well, if you must, I guess you can stay married. But without, maybe, without pledges of fidelity. At the very least, you ought to be able to broaden the definition of marriage to include mm, same-sex partners or multiple partners and, well... Before you know it, not one word of marriage's definition as a lifelong pledge of fidelity between a man and a woman for the procreation of children, not one word remains. Jesus began his three-year ministry 
as I said before, because of his great sympathy and compassion for people. At the center of his work was his perfect life of keeping the law and his suffering and death to pay for the penalty of our sins. But why did he do it? To rescue us from sin, death, and the devil's uh, and the devil. And what would that purpose be? To give us forgiveness of sins. And Luther tells us, where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. And you see, today we learn that our Lord Jesus truly does love his people. God is not limiting our joy and happiness by his rules. No. Our God knows that those things will hurt and harm and reduce our joy. So when our Lord was attending a wedding, he wasn't taking time off from his work of, well, preaching hell and moral rules, trying to get to uh, uh, get you to, to do something uh, uh, so you wouldn't do something forbidden or fun. No, our Jesus was not undisciplined. He wasn't lazy. Jesus was not leaving behind his austere work of rules in order to let his head down. When Jesus went to a wedding celebration, he was showing us that the God-pleasing life was the one he had already instituted in the garden, even before the fall into sin. Jesus was quite pleased to be able to bless married life by his attendance with his disciples. He desired to rejoice with those who would enter into God's pleasing estate. The scriptures say, rejoice with those who rejoice. When marriage comes, it's not a limiting. In fact, it is an increasing of joy and happiness. God is giving us a gift and says, here is where you can find the life that I wish you to have, abundant life. The real truth is that it is the devil who would break up marriages. He wishes to remove the love and fidelity and the joy which marriage gives. It's the devil who would lead a spouse to separate, commit adultery. It is divorce and immoral lives that do not increase happiness. They destroy love. And they destroy intimacy and joy. They cause the lives of children to be upended and unstable. It is the devil who would seek to create jealousy. The devil turns men and women into uncontrollable animals. So when Jesus questions Mary, he questions the reason for Mary's request for help. It's not because he isn't sympathetic to their situation. There is a twofold reason for his questions. First, Jesus has begun his ministry, and he's no longer simply the little son of Mary. When he says, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? He's wanting Mary to understand that he has begun his ministry as the Savior. He is not bound to comply with a request. He is now under orders from his Heavenly Father to be the Savior, the Savior of mankind. Second, Jesus says to her, My hour has not yet come. At this point, is, uh, he is in his state of humiliation. He's not fully and always making use of, well, the abilities of his divine nature. No, he's holding back. 
the hour of which Jesus is speaking, it actually does come when he is lifted up on uh, the cross and he draws all men to himself. You might remember when he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he will say to his disciples, as Judas is coming up to betray him, he says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Once he has made that final sacrifice, then Jesus will be revealed to the world as he is lifted up and rises again. She knows who he is, and she's already ready to call upon him in every trouble, but that time has not yet come. Mary needs to understand, and she does. She understands exactly what he said. So having already presented her need to him, she leaves behind her motherly authority, even her divine revealing request of a miracle, and she simply tells the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. In effect, she leaves it all up to him and says, Thy will be done. And what do we see happen? When we come to Jesus asking for grace and mercy, without trying to bind him to our will, we see his sympathy and his compassion for us. Jesus does do a miracle that day. And this account teaches us that he has great sympathy and compassion for his people. What is quite surprising is that at first it just doesn't look like that at all. At first glance, it would seem that Jesus is uncaring, and he doesn't desire to help, but that's far from the truth. Our Jesus, I tell you, isn't required to help. He doesn't have to help. Yet, when left to his own will and desire, we see his great sympathy and compassion for his people. First and foremost, he cares about your eternal well-being. His sympathy and compassion led him to take on human flesh and die for your sins. But no matter what your situation, as it is here, there will be a blessed end. He will bring you to eternal joys. He will restore fellowship with God at that heavenly marriage feast. And all of that is right and good. But to say that is not to say that he doesn't care. He not only cares about your rescue from death and eternal salvation... He cares about your present life and joy. He created a paradise, remember, for Adam and Eve, which, without their fall into sin, they would have enjoyed it. And that's what he wanted. He still wants to avert the distress of this world. He continues to provide for you the many good gifts of this world. He gives you food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, Goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. Now, I don't know what caused that wedding reception snafu. <laughs> Did the wedding coordinator, could have been married, did she not plan ahead? Did a servant spill the wine barrel? Luther thinks they were just poor, and they just didn't have enough for all that showed up, but who knows? But even when, listen, even when I saw our own sinfulness and wrong actions that cause, well, cause us to have great distress and sorrow, our Lord still has sympathy and compassion on us. And we see this is the case with the wedding at Cana. Though his hour to defeat the devil and right this world's wrongs had not yet come, he does want to help. 
Yet, Jesus is not yet ready for a public miracle, and so he does things somewhat quietly, and he takes care of the problem. The master of the feast does not even know about this miracle. And at the end of today's text, St. John tells us that the disciples and the servants, they knew, furthermore, they believe in Jesus because he is their sympathetic and compassionate Lord. The master tells the bridegroom, you have kept the good wine until now. The truth is, is that our God is not holding back. He wishes you to have the very best. He cares about your life here and now, as well as in eternity with him. There is no danger that you might be missing out on something. No, he is wanting you to have life and life to the full. He is providing for you now and when your blessed end comes. Your sympathetic and compassionate Lord will say for you the best, the best which is yet to come. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith. The operator is on page 18. in peace. All who are in trouble, want, 
sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for thy name and for thy true sake, comfort, O God, with thy Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of thy fatherly will. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of thine unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul, preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of thy mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble show thyself a very present help, the Savior of all men and especially of them that believe. Cause also the needful fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season, give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with thy blessings. We ask your blessings upon our Bishop James Heiser, as well as upon uh, Pastor Dubos. Uh, we also ask that you would uh, be with the ministrations of St. Bartholomew and its mission. These and whatsoever other things thou wouldst have us ask of thee, O God, vouchsafe unto us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, thy only Son, our Lord and Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Dearly beloved, for as much as we purpose to come to the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, it becometh us diligently to examine ourselves, as St. Paul exhorted us. For this holy sacrament hath been instituted for the special comfort and strengthening of those who humbly confess their sins and who hunger and thirst after righteousness. But if we thus examine ourselves, we shall find nothing in us but only sin and death from which we can in no wise set ourselves free. Therefore our Lord Jesus Christ hath had mercy upon us and hath taken upon himself our nature, that so he might fulfill for us the whole will and law of God, and for us and for our deliverance suffer death, and all that we by our sins have deserved. And to the end, that we should the more confidently believe this and be strengthened by our faith, in a cheerful obedience to his holy will, he hath instituted the holy sacrament of his supper, in which he feedeth us with his body, and giveth us to drink of his blood. Therefore, whoso eateth of this bread, and drinketh of this cup, firmly believing the words of Christ, dwelleth in Christ, and Christ in him, 
and hath eternal life. We should also do this in remembrance of him showing his death, that he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification, and rendering unto him most hearty thanks for the same, take up our cross and follow him, and according to his commandment love one another, even as he hath loved us. For we are all one bread and one body, even as we are all partakers of this one bread and drink of this one cup. I will wash my hands in innocency, and so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honor dwelleth. Let him to us be drinking deep, 
and grant us taste with joyfulness the Holy Spirit's plenteousness. On joyful be the live long day, our thoughts as pure as morning ray, our faith like noonday's glowing height, our souls done dim by shades of night. Our dawn begins to speed her way, let the true dawn himself display. The Son with God the Father one, and God the Father in the Son. All praise to God the Father be, all praise eternal Son to Thee, whom with the Spirit we adore, forever and forevermore. Amen. Oh, 
the partaking of your body, O Lord Jesus Christ, which I, though unworthy, to presume to receive, according to your loving kindness, be profitable to me for the receiving of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, and one forever. Amen. I will receive the bread of heaven and call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, I'm not worthy you should come under my roof, but only speak the word, and my soul shall be healed. The body of our Lord Jesus, which was given for me, preserved my body and soul into life everlasting. Amen. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take a pick up of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. The blood of our Lord Jesus, which was shed for me, preserved my body and soul into life everlasting. Amen. Depart in peace. Amen. Take eat, this is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take drink, this is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus, shed for the remission of all of your sins. May this true body and blood strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Hymn number 
concealed in earthly bread and wine. This world is loveless but above. What wondrous boundlessness of love. The King of glory stoops to me. My spirit's life and strength to be. In consecrated wine and bread, no viper sees the mystery dread, but Jesus' words are strong and clear. My body and my blood are here. How dull are all the powers of sense, employed on proofs of love immense. The richest food remains unseen, and highest gifts appear how mean. But here we have no good on earth, and faith alone discerns its word. The word not sense must be our guide, and faith assures and sights deny. Lord, show us still that Thou art good, and grant us evermore this food. Give faith to every one wavering soul, and make each wounded spirit whole. Thanks.
present the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. We give thanks unto thee, Almighty God, that thou hast refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we beseech thee that of thy mercy thou would strengthen us to the same in faith towards thee and in fervent love toward one another through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Shall stand unmoved by 
Part 3, the Lord's Prayer, of prayer in general. What is prayer? Together? It is an act of worship, wherein we, with our hearts and lips, bring our petitions before God, and offer up praise and thanks to Him. Psalm 19, verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalm 10, verse 17, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare the heart, their heart. Thou wilt cause thine eye to hear. Isaiah 65, verse 24, And it shall come to pass that before they call I will answer, and while they are yet speaking I will hear. Matthew 6, verse 7, When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Question 209. What should induce us to pray? Together? God's command and promise, as well as our own and our neighbor's need. Psalm 27, verse 8. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given 
you seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Psalm 145, verse 18 and 19. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Question 210. To whom should we pray? Together? Only to the true God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, since to him alone such honor is due. And he alone is able and willing to hear our prayer. Matthew 4, verse 10, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Psalm 65, verse 2, O thou that hearest prayer unto thee shall all flesh come. Isaiah 63, verse 16, Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. Question 211. What should we ask of God in our prayers? Together. Everything that tends to the glory of God and to our own and our neighbor's welfare, both spiritual and temporal blessings. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgivings, let your request be made known unto God. Mark 11, verse 24. What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Question 212. What distinction should we observe in our prayers? Such spiritual blessings as are necessary for our salvation, we should ask without condition. All other gifts with the condition that God would grant them to us if they tend to his glory and our welfare. Matthew, Luke 11, 13, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Luke 22, verse 42, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Matthew 8, 2, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. 1 John 5, verse 14, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Question 213, How should we pray? In Jesus' name and with firm confidence. John 16, verse 23, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Matthew 21, verse 22, All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Question 214, For whom should we pray? For ourselves and for all other men, but not for the dead. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Matthew 5, verse 44, Pray for them which despitefully use you 
and persecute you. Hebrews 9.27 It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And Bible histories are listed there. Question 215. Where should we pray? Everywhere, and especially in the closet and in public worship. 1 Timothy 2.8, I will therefore, I will therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Matthew 6.6, Thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Psalm 26, verse 12, In the congregations, Will I bless the Lord? Question 216. When should we pray? At all times, and especially in times of trouble. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Isaiah 26, verse 12. 26, verse 16. Lord, in trouble have they visited thee. They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. See the morning and evening prayers in small catechism. 217. Which of all prayers is the most excellent, the model prayer? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, etc. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Question 218. Into which parts may the Lord's Prayer be divided? The introduction, the seven petitions, and the conclusion. All right, that concludes the catechism recitation.